A reading from 1 Samuel. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and wouldn't eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, If you only will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, the God of Israel, grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to the house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him, of the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Every priest stands day after day at his service, 
offering again and again the same sacrifices that never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after saying, This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts 
Be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Please be seated. Both our lives in this world and our scriptures point us toward our innate longing to know God, to know that which is greater than ourselves. Both our lives as human beings and these ancient holy stories of our ancestors and of our Lord Jesus Christ point us toward our compelling longing to know the truth of who we are in God and to engage with it and live it out, both as individuals and together. Today's scripture offers us some significant clues about our seeking out of the peace and hope offered to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about, this seeking out of the Holy Spirit, this noticing of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The seeking out is central to all that we do. In our reading from Samuel today, the childless and broken-hearted Hannah, in deep anguish, pours out her heart to God, pleading for a son. She becomes so absorbed in her prayers that the priest Eli thinks she's drunk and scolds her. But she responds to this with a deep vulnerability and honesty. No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I haven't been drinking. I have been pouring out my soul to the Lord. And she prayed for a son, and before long she has one, and she makes a prayer of thanksgiving. Her prayer, as written in 1 Samuel, is from a very ancient poem of thanksgiving, which has as its theme a change in one's life that is divinely initiated. Her prayer is about a blessing. It's a powerful prayer, and it echoes the song of another woman who bore a son, the song of Mary, who also noticed a blessing, a blessing of the Holy Spirit. As we say in the Nicene Creed every Sunday, Jesus became incarnate by the power of the Holy Spirit. This was the noticing of Mary and the noticing of Hannah. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. The Lord raises up the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Hannah is noticing the power and solidness of the presence of God. And one of the things that is striking about this story is the responsiveness of God to the prayer, to the prayer and the prayer, the Holy Spirit in action, and the subsequent responsiveness of Hannah in devotion and integrity and thanksgiving. And by responsiveness, I don't mean that we pray to a God somewhere out there, and if we do it right, and if we're really good, 
We'll get what we want. Hannah receives what she wants, but this is not as significant as the underlying responsiveness and engagement. The way that our engagement with God, our reaching out, can result in all kinds of shifts, an instigation of a movement, a recognition, a change within us, a change in our heart, a change in our vision, a change in our understanding, some gift of wisdom, a a strength, a change in one's life that is divinely initiated. We are called to notice this, no matter how subtle it might be, and to engage with it and to live it out. But we can't engage with it unless we notice it. Walking around Berkeley this week, there were many people, including myself, in respirator masks, and people coughing, and people with red eyes, the air full of smoke, and also full of sadness, knowing what that smoke represents, the ashes of people's lives and losses. And also around some of the campuses of the Graduate Theological Union, there are reminders of people honoring those who were killed at Thousand Oaks, because some of those shot had ties to one of the seminaries, and people were mourning another mass shooting. This anguish in our lives, like Hannah's anguish in our scripture, points us toward our longing to know the peace and hope and encouragement. And I was thinking that there's this peace and hope and encouragement that seems to be the opposite of despair and anguish and trauma. And sometimes there feels like there's a battle going on to feel the peace and the hope against the trauma. But then in prayer, I remembered that there's another kind of peace and hope and encouragement. It's the peace that passes understanding, the hope that is rock solid, the encouragement that surrounds and infuses us that is not in a battle, but ever-present, more powerful than any earthly trauma or despair, that stands not in opposition and battle, but in the presence of it, undefiled and unharmed and waiting for us to notice it and engage with it. And we can look to the Holy Spirit as the magnifier of this peace. This is the offering of the Holy Spirit to us. A couple of months ago, in early September, I was walking down the street to an appointment. I was busy and I was worried. I didn't have time for this appointment and I needed to write a paper and There was a lot of other things on my mind, and I realized that all of the things I was worried about were all good things, were all blessings. Even in a a major worry I was having about one of my children, that was about love and the good fortune of having children. I realized also I had this sense that there was a joy beside me that I wasn't paying attention to, as if feeling joy in that moment were irresponsible given everything that's going on in the world and in my life. And yet, I felt 
the truth that now is always a good time to feel joy because it's that peace that's there always. Not to feel the joy inappropriately, but in knowing this loving presence of the Holy Spirit that is a reality. It is about the goodness surrounding and infusing all things through God. And so, a few weeks later, in a meditation in a class, we were asked in this meditation to drop in the question to the wisdom of God, to the Holy Spirit, do you have a question to ask of us? And as soon as I said that prayer, that question, the answer came immediately, and I wrote it down, and I've read it many times since. It said, the question was, are you aware of the joy inside of you? Engage with it. It is your constant companion. It is water and rain for your heart. And when that came, and in the, in the time after that, and ongoing for days, I felt this joy. That was not something I did. That was the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And the next morning, after I had written this down, I was, I was sitting at the dining room table at four in the morning working on a paper that was due that day, and I heard this strange noise in the courtyard outside. I wondered, what is that? It's four in the morning. And after a while, I got up and I opened the curtain to look out. This was in September, late September. And the noise was rain. I hadn't heard the rain before in that apartment. It was the first time I was hitting the downspout. And I remembered the words, water and rain for your heart. And I felt nourished by that rain. And then a number of hours later at 8 a.m., I was uh, driving over here on Tuesday morning. And I was crossing the bridge, and there was rain, and there was mist, and at the same time, there was sunshine coming through it, and it was so beautiful. And I, and I was walking down the street when I arrived here, and still there was bright sunshine and, and rain. And the ebullient shine of those two things together and the reminder of joy and light in the presence of trauma and rain together formed such a shine And I started to laugh out loud as I was walking down the street. And as I did, and I swear this happened, I have a picture of it. I I turned in the play yard out there behind the fence, there was a a grown-up book laying open to a title page. It was all saturated with rain. And the title of the book was Laugh Out Loud. And this wasn't just an interesting experience, but a living grace that continues to feed and encourage me. It's the peace and the light that is not in battle with anything, but complete and full and dependable and solid and meant to be imbibed and meant to be engaged with and lived out. And it came through the grace of a reflective meditation. And it came in the form of feeling it. And then it came in the form of noticing things I might have otherwise not have noticed. 
In Hebrews today, we hear that the Holy Spirit testifies to us, saying, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their mind. This is a responsiveness, a change brought to us by contact with God through the Holy Spirit to experience the laws in our hearts and understanding authored by the Holy Spirit. Not to love because it's a law that we have to try to follow and not to hope because we have to try to hope because we don't have any option, but to experience the love and the hope flowing through us And stemming from this encouragement from the Holy Spirit, the author of Hebrews encourages us, saying, Friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us hold our hope without wavering, because the one who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to prompt one another to love encouraging one another. So when we're looking to experience this responses of God and the peace and hope that is all-encompassing and not in battle with earthly sorrows, we can look to the Holy Spirit and to our own active noticing of the Holy Spirit, the breath of life in us, which is what we are told in Genesis. The Lord God formed a man from the dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life The Hebrew word is ruah, which also means spirit. The Holy Spirit in Scripture magnifies God's presence, and the Holy Spirit in our lives magnifies God's presence, if we'll pause to notice it. This Holy Spirit refers to a life-giving grace, which is inevitably and unfailingly there, awaiting our reception and our engagement. The Holy Spirit is known as the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. In John, we're told that when Jesus went away, his disciples were in distress because they had lost his comforting presence. But he promised to send the Holy Spirit to comfort and guide them. If the Holy Comforter lived next door to us, Wouldn't we want to go and visit? To get to know that holy breath of life, the magnifier of God's very presence, offering us hope, and be comforted by the power through which Jesus Christ became incarnate? The Holy Comforter lives closer than next door. The Holy Comforter lives closer than our very breath and closer than every thought we might have. So close we can overlook this presence, and we need to be called back to it by our own active seeking and practice. The Holy Spirit is a mystical and mysterious power and grace, yet at the same time very present and available and in some way deeply desirous of our freedom and peace and hope and fullness in God. Our lives and our scripture point us toward our longing to know this, this encouragement and hope and peace that is beyond the troubles of this world, but stands in the midst of it, rock solid and untouched. The Holy Spirit Spirit is guide, 
and comforter and magnifier of what we are searching for. And the real answer to this search won't be found in a sermon or even thinking about it. It comes from our active engagement with the questions, our active attentiveness to the Holy Spirit. Maybe we have a slight experience, an inkling, a glimmer. Never underestimate even the tiniest experience of the Holy Spirit's grace. Think about it. Talk about it. Pray about it. Just like any relationship develops with time spent on it, practice and be present to it. And remember, as we are told in Hebrews, Therefore, my friends, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Hold our hope without wavering, for the one who has promised is faithful, and the one who has promised is the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Let us seek the Holy Spirit with all our hearts and all our minds, and let us help and encourage one another to do the same. Our efforts will be worth it beyond our imagining because the one who promised this is faithful. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.